This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So, you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock-climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So, whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Have you been thinking about maybe having your own podcast? Well, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First and foremost, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor, they'll distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple and many more. With Anchor, you can start to make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership as well. It's truly everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. to In My Heart, a podcast truly about all of the things in my heart and finding our freedoms. I'm your host, Heather Thompson. Though everybody loves a good reality show, the real life of my next guest is what's important to me. From living across the pond to raising a daughter as a single mom to enduring the loss of her second husband and leaving the Real Housewives of New York City after six seasons, Dorinda Medley still knows how to make it nice. We're here to talk about a new chapter in her life. Dorinda comes from, believe it or not, you may not know, the fashion business. She started a cashmere company, and I have all kinds of fun stories that we're going to talk about, about the Berkshires and being together as friends. Welcome, Dee. Well, thank you for having me. After being in the Berkshires as a child and having a home here now, what does Bluestone Manor mean to you? Like, I consider the Berkshires my soul. I was thinking about it this morning. It's my light. Yes. It's my centering. People do unless you live in the Berkshires or grown up here, have interacted with it. Like we have, it's not like, and I'm not saying anything bad about the Hamptons. I'm just not a Hamptons person. Right. Because I, I'm just not. Me too. We're the same. Because I like to play hard in New York and then I like to go completely off grid. Mm-hmm. And I think your house is like my house in the way. Our homes are like living beings. Yeah. They're not places we sort of like go and party and drop our hat. And no, they're living beings. They live. And we kind of live in it like we live in it. You know what I mean? Totally. Like I was walking my property today thinking, you know, you're doing great, old girl. Like, you look good. You know what yes. I mean? People don't understand that spiritual side of the Berkshires. It's real. It's real. I mean, what I was going to say, one of the things I was going to talk about with us in the Berkshires is that most people leave where they grew up. You know what I mean? They leave and they go away and they don't really come back. And we both always have come back to the Berkshires. Like in an essence, I never really left. It was like, it was always my, like you said, my center point, no matter where in the world I went, coming back to the Berkshires 
was I could feel myself decompress as I drive the Taconic and, I, and the hills start to come. My gates open and I cellularly change. Yeah. My breathing changes. I just, it's just something releases. But I'll tell you, it's a funny thing. I actually, it was a little different for me because once I went to Berkshire school and saw a different life, you know, different life. I remember once I was at Berkshire school and this girl, very fancy girl, Olivia Curry said to me, now, what are you doing for spring break? I'm like going home, working at Friendly's. What do you mean? I mean, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, people do stuff for spring, going to see my parents, you know? Right. So I kind of was like, I, I kind of had a moment there for a while where I was like, I am out of here. Like this place, I am so out of here. I'm never coming back. But it's funny, adulthood, I spent sort of my whole early adulthood trying to get away from it. And my second part of my, the other half of my adulthood, trying to come back. I used to always say to my mom, mom, I'm going to leave the Berkshires so that I can go out and make it in the world because I, it doesn't have what I need. It doesn't offer me what I need in terms of my drive for my career and what my visions were for myself. But I'm going to go so that I can make it out there so I can come home and live That's here right. the way I want to. And I remember when I built this house, you know, and then I got pregnant with Jax. It was like my mom said to me, you're doing it, kiddo. You're doing it. And I forget, I think you're like this too. I think I'm changing now and you help change me in this way. I don't pat myself on the back. I never, and you are the same, like we're just always moving, but like you do have this centering piece of you. That's you're very wise, first of all, and you're very intelligent and you have a very warm, delicious heart. You do. So those three things without saying the grounding, you know, that we get when we really get in touch with self. That's something that I'm really focusing on now. What I've really gotten in touch with is my uncensored self. Okay. Tell me. Which I think is very interesting for women. I was going to talk to you about this because I think we touched on it the other night at Old Mill, what I remember after two martinis. (laughs) That's nothing, girl. That was fun. Yeah. How old are you now? 50. Your eyes open up at 50. Yes. My mother told me this would happen. I didn't believe it. I don't know if it is partially menopause. I don't know if it's a point in your life. I don't know if it's, I don't know. But I can tell you something. When people are like, oh my God, wish someone a happy 40. She's a little bit, uh, and I'm not just saying this because women say, the best is yet to come because in a weird way, things start to go behind you. And instead of mourning them, you can celebrate them. Like I love being a mother. You know how close I am. Yes. I just love the process. I love, but my goal was to be like my mother create roots and wings and get them out. I don't have a husband right now. I, I don't think I will again, but I'm just saying I've had two. I think it's enough. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Married, divorced, married, buried. That's good. Check. So I've sort of checked these boxes and it's a wonderful feeling. And I really wish women of the, in their fifties or forties or sixties could be in touch with this. It is really okay to let go to it. Like to not feel I'm responsible to no one except me now. Right. What a freedom. Do you know what that's like? Oh my gosh. No, I don't, I I, I, you know, I take care of my parents, but I don't, I, for years I answered to my parents and I answered to husbands and I answered to motherhood. Then I answered to all these career and objectives and we're fearful of failing, not achieving enough, not being enough from physically to spiritually to every way. I have just really learned to accept myself. I really have a problem 
you know, there was a someone, a fellow housewife on the other night that was like going on and on about a product and how it makes them young. And it's like, just tell the truth. Right. Just inform. Why can't we as women inform each other and teach each other and be honest? Why can't we just do that? Why is everything got to be laced with some sort of old school sexuality and need to be young or need to be something where I'm age. Like this morning, I put up a thing at 55 with my face. I'm like, here it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yep. You know, and I'll tell you when I get something done, I'm not saying I won't ever, but there, I just, I would like to be for other women and for my daughter, my most honest self. I don't want to be looking young and sexy. I mean, I want to be sexy still because I consider myself still a sexy woman in a different way. But I don't want to compete with my daughter. No. I want her to see me as mom. She she gave me the best compliment out of the other day. She said when I was sort of when the housewives thing happened and it was no longer to be, she was she I think she was really worried. So she kind of, and of course you're sad. No one likes change, no one likes rejection, no one likes anything. We just don't. And you're right. lying if you say you do. Exactly. Okay. He was like, Mom. I'm like, I'm okay. I guess I'm okay. I'm just, you know, I mean, it's now to do something new and different. She sat down on the bed. She goes, about two days later when I was cooking downstairs, she goes, I think I'm more proud of you at this point in your life than I have ever been in my whole life. As a woman, as a mother, as a business person, she goes, you have made me the most, and the way you've handled this. She goes, you're just at the height of who you are right now. And I couldn't be better. And then she said, which was the best gift, and it allows me to be free and go be what I need to be. That was the key. I love that girl. First of all, you know how much I love Hannah. She's so wise and smart beyond her years. And isn't that what we want for our children? Yes, that's what we want for our children. And I, as a friend, because I know it. I mean, we met before the housewives, you and I. Yeah. I loved you immediately. Like I remember we had a phone conversation. Like this chick is cool. How do I not know her? And I do think it's- I always wonder that. I wondered how I didn't know you because, and then I was like, see there, I always used to say there's something in the water in the Berkshires. And I remember hanging up the phone with you. I was coming up over Baldwin Hill, which is a, a place here in the Berkshires. And Jonathan was in the car with me, my husband. And I said, she's a Berkshire girl, man. I used to call them yummies. She's a yummy. And I said, there's something in the water here. I swear to God. I said, I just can't wait to meet her. Well, I thought the same way about you. And we clicked right away right away. And then what was so funny is when we, when the housewives happened together, the two of us together, what I realized after I left the housewives and you were in it still, and Carol was in it still, and my good friends, people I love and care about were in it still. And I always couldn't wait for it to be over for you guys, because I know the show and I know what it brings and I know who you both are in your hearts. And it doesn't always, because we're there for entertainment value. And we understand that it doesn't really allow us to be and show our full, our fullness and our full hearts. People don't believe how, like when people are like, what do you do when you're not doing the housewives? I'm like, I do the housewives Yes, all day, every day. If I'm not doing it physically, I'm doing it mentally. And you kind of, it's almost like being at the top of a sport, the NFL. There's a lot of pre-training. There's a lot of post-game work. There's a lot of... And, you know, you have to always be on your toes and it's all consuming. Yes. And so when you do go into this, like, you know, four months or whatever they do, it's, you know, you kind of go down the rabbit's hole with yeah. it. And it's very hard to have interpersonal relationships outside. Like, I just decided a couple of years ago when I was filming, I just can't see people because I found myself sitting at dinners and people were talking about normal stuff. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I, 
do they know what I'm going through? Like, I'm thinking about, and, I, and, and what am I going to do tomorrow? And how can I say that? Like, you're just pre, right? Totally. It consumes you entirely. One of the reasons why I left was because I had small children. Because in that environment, having small children, I couldn't, I was so disconnected. I don't know how you had a job. I ran a company with, you know, like many, many people reporting into me. I don't even remember a lot. Like Carol will remind me of things on the show that I totally forget because I was in so many places at one time. I didn't even remember it. But once I stepped out of it, it was such an unbelievable relief to start to enjoy life again and smell the roses, so they speak again, and slow down a little bit. And slow that's- down. Well, that, that's the key. And I think that takes a while. I'm not there quite yet. I think I think it really took until the reunion to end. Like I got okay. I'm buried. I'm in the ground. Like now I can be Dracula. You know, I can just <laughs> lay down and rest until I, you know, until you know. But I have to say, you know. I learned a lot by being on that show. It really came at a great time in my life. I needed something to grab onto. I was completely lost. I was like a toothpick in the ocean after Richard died. And I know people hate to hear that. He's always meant as Richard. But it was, it is what it is. Hannah had gone to school. Richard had died. And I just didn't, I couldn't get my bearings. Yeah. So it sort of became a therapeutic process and something for me to grab onto. Even good, bad, or otherwise, it prepared me for whatever. And I pray to God, it is a good next step. I pray to God, I, you know, do great things going forward to whatever is now going to happen next. You know, because I'm in a much better place than I was six years ago. You know, you are, you're, it does make you stronger. It, it makes does. you very independent. And, you know, financially, it's not a bad thing. I know. You know exactly. Kind of, exactly. And it's mine. It's yours. Like I look at, I kind of look at what I've had from, you know, my previous like pre-Housewives and what I've built this nest egg. I made some very good bond investments and I'm like, I did. Yes. And that's very powerful as a woman. Well, it's also who you were, right? And then what happens is sometimes we have to put our lives on pause as women when we get married and we start to have children. I mean, hey, you are a fashion girl too. You started a cashmere company. I mean, you know, you've always been a hungry go-getter and you're an idea person. Well, I'm a, and I'm scrappy. I'll do anything. Like there's no job you small enough, you know, right. and you're very scrappy. Like yeah. we don't have any problem. I go waitress again, happily at red line in mm-hmm. and I'd be the best waitress still. You would, you'd get big tips, girl. <laughs> I, I slap on that apron and I would go for it. Well, I think that is something about when we talk about female power and where we get our strength from and where we really derive it from it's through our life experiences, you know, it's through watching other women. My mother. It's through watching our parents and watching our women. And not all of us has ha- did have strong, you know, people to look at. You know, we had to find it within ourselves. Right. Or find- like, you know what we are? And this is why I think our children are so good. You know, my mother taught me this. She said, you build a good foundation. You make sure as parents, you are the foundation to the house. Now they can go out and then if the house ain't so good, it may get a mess. They may have to change the curtains, change the paint. But if they have a good foundation, the house is good. Yes. We all hit the mat. You know, you and I know this. Our parents taught us this. We all go down. It is really about how we get back up. Correct. And that's the only thing that I can try to teach my children. Like, I'm going to get left hooks. I'm a public figure. I'm out there. There's a target on my back. I recognize that. That's the risk you take. So, I mean, you can't jump and fly unless you take a risk and, you know. That's right. And without conflict, we don't have growth, right? I mean, obviously, I wish... 
in the world, we could handle things a little differently. There's so much anger and hate right now. I mean, it's just, it's almost overwhelming. Everybody's just really just in a state. I just don't, you know, people want to talk to me so much about the election, about this. I just can't get my head around it. I, I, I'm ashamed to say that. You know, I'm definitely going to vote. Yes. I wouldn't consider not, you know, it's, I think it's really our obligation. If we, I don't think you should be allowed to talk about change if you're not willing to get up and vote. Agreed. But I'm very fearful about getting involved in the discussion of it. Because I'm actually not as knowledgeable as I should be because I've chosen not to be. Does that make sense? It does. But I also think it's a very, it's a lot to know for anybody. You know what I mean? Nobody knows every single candidate and, you know, our our own, uh, you know, local elections and obviously every judge and every person that we're trying to elect what they oh do. Oh my God, I put on the news this morning because I was cleaning the kitchen. I thought, oh, I'll start watching. I got to start really engaging again. And like right away, people are, are on, on the, the edge. edge right now. A hundred percent. And so I, I try to figure out like, you know, how can I be a part of a solution and not be another, you know, part of the problem. And it's overwhelming to think about it. I mean, you know, you are a very spiritual person. I mean, you go to church uh, like almost every week and I, I mean, you really, you have to be really holding on to your faith right now. You have to be, because you don't have to hang your hat on a religion. I'm extremely spiritual. Like you're so wise when it comes to that. Let's talk about that a little, because maybe that will be helpful. I think, you know, everybody has their way of, you know, for me, it started off you know, deep rooted in an ethnic family. And yes. I mean, you know, when you grow up with no money and you grow up in, a, in the Berkshires and you grow up working class, your church is sort of you can go to church. I mean, it was one of the activities of the week yes. and you just went. You didn't question it. And, you know, my mother always used to say, follow the Ten Commandments and you'll never end up in jail. But it's true. Yes, it is true. You know, <laughs> you know so my mother is deeply quietly spiritual, uh, religious. She goes to church every day, has always my whole life. I grew up with all the, the statues around. I still have them in my house everywhere. But I, it's not anything for me to talk about or push on people. It's just a feeling. It's a way of life. Some people meditate. Some people have Buddhism. Some people, it's just a way of centering. It's what I go to church because it's what I know and it, it gives me peace. And for me, it's a reset every week. Yeah. It's the time where I refuse. My phone goes off. I sit. It's familiar. You know, I, I, I think without my religion and, and my commitment to my spirituality, I, I don't know if I would have made it through that whole thing with Richard. It was too over, it was too much. And I was, you know, I didn't understand it. And my mother, you know, I, I said, it's what's amazing. I, I traveled the world and I all, all, all ends up back with my mother. And my mother came down and lived with me when Richard was going through it. And I remember after she died, she said something really interesting that was very spiritually based. She said, Listen, you, you, for problem is, is you have this, you think you own a timeline. God has a timeline for you that you don't understand. And listen, I'm going to ask you a question. If Richard Medley came to you nine years, eight years ago and said, now I'm going to be with you for eight years. I'm going to raise your child. I'm going to bring her to adulthood. I'm going to be a great father, stepfather, family. We're going to do great things, but then I'm going to have to go. Would you have said yes? And I said, well, of course, mom. She goes, well, praise the Lord. Look what you got. Look what you got. See how God, God, you got your child raised to 18 years old with a man that loved her and will be part of her, her journey now forever. So I was like, oh yeah, maybe she, maybe I'm lucky. Yeah. Like everything we have to look at another perspective. I think that's the lesson that I've learned over the past year 
is literally, well, certainly over the past six months, like you said, as much as the universe feels crazy and messed up right now and upside down, maybe it's actually writing itself. I believe that. Yes. I don't know if you watched 60 Minutes where they showed that that famous guy that does all the environmental stuff. He showed how you know, elephants are crossing the streets in India and, you know, the air quality is incredible. And, you know, my mother said to me one day, because, you know, my mother, she's such a funny. She <laughs> said to me, I think this is the Noah's Ark of our time. Right. It's going to one day clear all up and maybe we're going to learn a lesson. Yes. I was like. Maybe she's right. A hundred percent. I mean, if you think about the noise that's out there, I mean, I didn't have the first knowledge about politics when I was 14 or 13 or 12 years old. You know, my mother was divorced and she was raising two kids on her own. And my dad was around, but not very helpful. I mean, I think like when she, when, when he wanted to give her 35 bucks a week for two kids, like she got it. I mean, it was crazy. And so she was a single mother who had to work for her children. So I was home alone a lot. And my mother was running a restaurant, breakfast, lunch, and dinner restaurant. So in order to eat, I had to get up. When I came home from school, I would jump on my bike and ride to the hub to have my food. There was no big family dinners at my house. It was me and my mom, basically. That's amazing, actually. Such a different experience. I had a father who did what he could. He did the best he could based on what he was capable of. And it took me a long time to actually come to terms with that too. He did the best he could. The the laws weren't favorable for women back then. No, so much has changed. I mean, we have to say thanks to the incredible Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, and all the advancements that we've had. I cried so hard. I did. I cried. I was happy that she could go because I think she was suffering. And she was holding on for holding on and holding on. We all know she was holding on. Yeah. I mean, I cried very hard when she died. I could cry right now. She literally changed, changed the course for us, for our children, for our children. Totally. I've watched her documentary three times and each time I learned something from it. Yep. Me too. I've watched it about three or four times myself. And now all the new stuff I've been, you know, downloading and saving and watching. And, you know, one of the things that I also remember, I remember thinking this when I used to work for Beyonce. And when I worked for Puffy and Jennifer, and I remember like the pages of magazines, I'm like, why don't we have doctors? Why don't we have people like Ruth Bader Ginsburg? Like we learned about her so far into her life. You know, how can we uncover the great people that are out there? To be honest with you, I've probably only really known about her for five years. Really? Really? Yeah, I mean, you knew who she was, but you didn't really understand the impact, I would say, in the last five years. We need to do better to serve the change makers in our country and give them the limelight. I was thinking about some of the women, too, that have passed, or the women that are with us, people like Gloria Steinem and the great writer, Maya Angelou. Incredible, incredible woman. The great thing about Maya Angelou is, is that when you read her stuff, you hear her voice. Yes. You can hear her voice. I totally agree. When I read her poems or anything I, I, I bet that she's written, I, I hear her voice. That is so true. I love that. Women of today, you know, friends like like we are, you know, we lift each other up. And and I think that with I think that the funny thing for us is like, you know, housewives and like looking at us on the housewives and now looking us beyond housewives, like no one's really had a shot to see you and me. Beyond Housewives, like when we weren't on camera, we're just being Dorinda and Heather. You know, someone was saying something about that the other day. And it's like, do you talk to like, is this one talk? Do you talk to this one when you're filming? I'm like, I talk to the people I like and I don't talk to the people I don't like. <laughs> exactly. I mean, 
I, it's such a silly question. Like, do you, I, do you think that person, I'm like, I talk to people I like, and I don't talk to people I don't like. It's a very simple thing. People put us in a box for this housewife thing, and we kind of put ourselves in a box too a little bit because it is so all-consuming. It is hard not to consume it and bring it into your personal life, and, and it's so intense. It's a dance. It is a dance, but the self-reflection that comes out of it and the good that comes from leaving the show. See, that's what I'm all about. Like, well, I haven't seen that yet. I'm you just, are. I'm just... You're gonna. You're gonna. You're coming up, Mama. It's coming. I see it in you, by the way, already. Really? I do. I do. And we had dinner the other night. I just had the burial yesterday. Okay. <laughs> well, the thing about you is, is that you're, even though it was all consuming of your life, you have a very rich and dynamic life. And the housewives was only a chapter of your life. That was a really cool, important one. I mean, we talked about this, like you had a new career at 50 hit you that you had yeah. no idea. And it well, you know what I told someone the other day, they were like, oh, I, it was really interesting. Someone said this to me the other day and I said to them, they said, oh, you'll be fine. I was like, well, listen, I didn't start till I was 15. My, you know, I was sort of fully baked at that point. Like I wasn't made on the housewife. Not that that's bad, but I kind of like, my, I had a big quilt at that point. So this is like a patch of my quilt. That's right. It's and it's a great patch, but it's like, you know, I'm kind of going back to the life that I've already had for 50 years. But even better because you've had all this life experience and you've grown and learned and you can literally say like, I, this is what you I can, want. But you can forget that. Yes. You can forget yes. that because it is all consuming. You're like, wait a second. What am I? Like I said to my mother the other day. Who she's? I, every time I talk to my mother, I sing this song to her. I said, "Mom, you are this song to me. I can see clearly now." because she's just so clear. Yes. So I said, oh, "You know, I don't know what I'm going to do in January because now that I'm not with the housewives, um, I just don't know. Like, should I?" But and I started. She goes, "Well, you never filmed in January, so what did you do last January?" I was like, "You're right. <laughs> <laughs> You're permeating the problem for yourself, making a problem that doesn't even exist." Right? <laughs> You're totally right. What? Well, you have more time on your hands now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's this old Chinese proverb that says the mind is like water. When it is still, it is clear. And you have a very dynamic and beautiful mind. And now you have an opportunity to calm it and be still. I am going to fully sit in this for a little bit because even though it's a little bit scary. Like I could just keep running. Like my, one of my friends said to me, come to London, come do this. Would you like to do that? Would you like to do this? And I'm going to be like, instead of coming from a place from a yes for a little bit, I'm going to come from a place of no and just do the simple things. Yes. You have every right to take pause for a minute. And I can't Well, you're writing this book. You are? I was going to say, tell me what's going on with you though. What's making you tick right now? You know, this is the blessing. This is the silver lining. I now have time to write this book with Simon Schuster. And I commit every day, except for Sundays, I commit two hours. I have a ghostwriter and I'm not even going to pretend not to because God knows that was the whole thing. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm a great storyteller. I'm a horrible writer. I took a class at the uh, school, uh, the new school once called Writing to Save Your Life. True story. Yeah. So I go, I become great friends with the professor. Like I, I'm like talking to telling the story, da, 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 blah, 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 blah. We got to go to coffee. I got to be like in the front seat. You know, I'm, I'm like, I think I'm acing it because, you know, I'm so interesting, right? I am the most interesting person. <laughs> doing I'm going to get this done. So we go to coffee one day and I was like, hey, how do you think I'm doing? Like, have you read some of my stuff? He goes, listen, listen. Okay, listen. I think I would listen to you talk about laundry. Literally sit here for hours. You're a horrible writer. 
made a nice friend. Up. You don't know how to shut up. And it's true. In order to be a good writer, you have to be quiet and you have to, and be, and I think I'm a little ADD or something because I just can't write. We can't be good at everything. You know what I mean? Really? And so it's, that's what makes powerful people powerful and successful is they find what their flaws are and they fill them in with people who are better at those things than they are. And so that's all you've done. And I can't wait to read it. Well, aside from writing, what are the, some of the other things that are making you tick right now? Because I know skincare is something that we talk about. And like, you always have those red light gadgets. I have like one. And then you like <laughs> trump me with masks. You have like one for your ass. I mean, you oh, got everything. I, <laughs> I am an infomercial. Like, you know, I love a good infomercial. Yes. And I actually use them. <laughs> I can literally, you give me something, I will tell you the cure the gadget, the something for it. I love things. I am a bit of a hoarder. <laughs> <laughs> I love things. I mean, Hannah's like, please, mom. Because the other day she caught me on um, Grandin Road looking at Halloween. She's like, enough with the Halloween stuff. There's no kids that live here anymore. Yeah, you're not allowed to buy one more Halloween gadget. Well, I did. <laughs> I, I said, Hannah, you know what? It's quarantine. And there's very few things that make me happy. So if I want a fucking popcorn, pot, you know, pumpkin tin soldier, I'm getting it. It's too bad, okay? <laughs> and I'm getting two now because you've aggravated me. So what is making you tick is getting ready for Halloween. I love that. Like getting your gadgets ready. And then, um, well, I'm moving back to my old apartment. Yep. I love the Berkshires, but I think it's important to have a presence in New York. Me too. I mean, I have to keep a foot on the ground in New York City because it's my home and I love it more than anything in the world. Well, I'm excited. And I've never lived, I've never really lived in New York as sort of like a, just a, like. Petitaire. Single girl. (laughs) Speaking of a single girl, I have a question that I don't know the answer. And I was thinking about this this morning. What's going on with your love life in COVID? I haven't been able to talk to you about that. Nothing. Nobody, not even like, are you trying to do anything right now? There's been a little bit here and there, but I don't know. I just, I dove deep into this COVID, you know, and I kind of, Hannah moved back and we just sort of hunkered down. You know what I mean? And now I feel like, I definitely feel like I was even thinking about maybe going on a dating app. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think you should. I'll come over. Let's do your profile together. I can live vicariously through you. That's fair. (laughs) No, it'll be so much fun. I'm just going to put on my profile. I cook, I clean, I decorate, I make it nice. Do you want to date me? That's all I I make it nice, baby. I love it. I love it. Okay. So the last thing I'm going to ask you, because you and I could talk for three hours and basically I'm going to hang up and like drive over to your house after this. (laughs) So let's talk about finding, finding our freedom. So that's, you know, comes in many different forms for many different people, but how are you finding your freedom now and living fearlessly? A couple of things. I would like to be more vulnerable and not have to be such a warrior all the time. Be a little less hard on myself because I've been very, you know, I'm always bigger, better, faster, 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 be the best, be the best, scared, happy, afraid, you know, too many. And I'd like, like we said, I'd like to just calm the noise and see if I can just listen like i i just i don't allow you know i i move sometimes before i understand and i want to understand and then move i love that that's beautiful that is i think that is so beautiful and it's so poignant and so many people need to take that advice for themselves you know slowing down 
because you and I are a million miles an hour. And I remember Carol used to always say to me, like, you need to mosey. I mean, Carol is like, you know, two miles an hour to my like 25 miles an hour. And she used to always say to me, like, too fast is not good all the time because you're missing things. And so slowing down a little bit, really, and learning how to mosey has become a freedom for me, but also understanding that part of who I am is a million miles an hour. And so I can't change who I am. You can't. I mean, Carol has this incredible ability to hang out. I'll never be that person. <laughs> I just, I just, it's not in my DNA, but, and, and you know, it's also too, we can, we think slowing down too means not being creative or productive, but I actually think I want to slow down to be more productive because I think I'm missing a lot of very important things because I bog myself down with a bunch of bullshit. That's right. A hundred percent. Let's, let's like pull the drain on the I bullshit. I want the big fish now. I want to wait for the big tuna and stop scooping up all the minnows. I'm too, you know, I'm like, I'm, you know, cause that's what I do. I, I, I just get bogged down in all the stuff that I think I sometimes don't focus on the bigger picture. Yes. A hundred percent. Well, I love that. And that's what we're going to do. And we're going to keep focusing on the bigger picture and we're going to keep evolving and we're going to keep growing and we're going to go ahead and let rejection seep in. And we're going to know how we hit the mat and how do we get back up? Because that's the most important in life because Correct. And that's it. You can get your cake ready and then the oven doesn't go on. You know, this is yeah. what happens with life and that's okay. And that's what makes us stronger, better, bigger, badder. And how we lean into one another and lift each other up as women is so important. I love you so much, Dorinda. I, I love you. Thank you for having me. Sorry, I, I had to really sort of get past this week in order to feel like I could emote. <laughs> I totally get it. And I love you so much. And I know where to find you, but just for any listeners who may not, Dorinda, can you tell my listeners where they can find you? Well, you can find me at DorindaMedley.com, Instagram, DorindaMedley, and uh, everything's just Dorinda Medley. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Don't miss it. And you'll find the two of us at Blue Manor, uh, you know, doing stretching and having cocktails, and we will be back. Thank you so much. This is In My Heart. I'm your host, Heather Thompson. Be sure to follow along at I am Heather T and send me any questions. Please don't forget to subscribe and download wherever you stream your podcasts and join us next week for another episode.